invite the Lord in our, uh, into our midst in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are indeed very thankful that we can come together with those that love you, to those that hunger and thirst for your word. Father, we recognize that living for ourselves is empty, unfulfilling, it's, it's broken cisterns. And Father, we're so thankful that we can find life and living fountain and seeking your glory. Father, we pray that you would speak to us through your living word, your powerful word, that it could cut through the distraction, the haze, the, the pressures, the hardness of heart that we heard about so clearly uh, last week, and that we could be, make ourselves vulnerable, allow ourselves to be transformed into your glorious image by it. Father, this is a work of your Holy Spirit. And so we pray that the human means that you would use would, would be completely out of the picture and that your spirit could work in an unhindered way in each of our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For our meditation this morning, the Lord has uh, laid on my heart a psalm. Uh, the Psalm 131, 131st Psalm. Lord, My heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty, neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself. As a child that is weaned of his mother, my soul is even as a weaned child. Let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. Read the entire psalm. The Lord is worthy that we bow before him in worship and prayer. Our loving Father in heaven, we come before thy throne of grace this morning hour, knowing that we could go nowhere else but to thy throne of grace. To receive that which we are so needful of. But first and foremost, Father, we, we pray together with the Lord Jesus who taught us how to pray. That we acknowledge your greatness, your holiness, your lordship. That you are our Father who is in heaven. And that you care for us as a father and that your name is holy (coughs) we pray that we may treat it as such separate from everything else 
That every time we mention your name upon our lips, we may be mindful of your holiness. And there is none like unto thee. You are the creator God. You are also the saviour God. And our provider. Father we pray that your will would be done. That your kingdom will come. Not only to this world in general. But into our hearts. That we may live as kingdom people. That we may be the children of the king. Not only in name. But in our conduct and action. As your word said Lord that we are to be holy as you are holy. We are to be perfect as you are perfect. And Lord, we know that we cannot be without sin here upon this earth in that sense of perfection. And that we do sin and that we do fall short, but that we should strive for that perfection. We should strive for that which we have not yet attained, as the Lord, as the Apostle Paul did say. And that we should never grow weary in well-doing. And for this reason we ask, as the Lord Jesus asked in his prayer and taught the disciples, that you would lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And Father, we pray that when we do fall short, that each and every one of us could come to you and ask for forgiveness. And the Lord Jesus said that if we don't forgive one another, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. Help us ever to be mindful of having that forgiving spirit. No matter what the hurt, no matter what the offense, because as the Lord Jesus took upon himself our offenses, our sins. And because of him he was placed upon that cross of Calvary. We also need to forgive each other as God for Christ's sake has forgiven us. Father in heaven, we thank you for our daily provisions, our food, our drink, our clothing, our shelter. And we acknowledge it we pray for those that do not have it as we. As we have uh, mentioned this morning of the great devastation in the Philippines. And throughout this world in smaller measures all over the globe. Those that are going through difficulties and trials and um, persecutions for your namesake. We lift them up with holy hands, Lord, in the spirit. We pray for your presence with them. We pray that your will be done. And wherever we can help, help us to be your hands, your feet, your mouth, your heart. Father in heaven, we pray that we may live a, a worshipful life, not just on the Sunday morning, 
not just when we do it corporately, when we have the peace on a Sunday morning, but every day of the week and every hour of the day and every minute of the hour that our minds will be fixed on what your will is for our lives. Father in heaven, we know that there are many sick in our circles, in our church. We're thankful for hearing our prayers for those that have been healed, for those that have um, come out of great trial in that. We're thankful for Sister Vanessa Tubber, who has been declared cancer-free, for whom we've been praying for over a year. We're thankful for Sister Sonia Simmel, whose, whose cancer has been limited to a tumour. But we also pray for Sister Kira Lamanyi, the little girl in San Diego, whose condition is deteriorating. And only you can perform that miracle, Lord, if it be your will. Only you can give a healing and we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory. Pray for Sister Jennifer Ceres in Phoenix, for Sister Olga Ordog, Sister Monica Jarvin, for all that are going through difficulties and struggles. We pray that as the Lord Jesus prayed in his prayer that let not this trial lead them into temptation to sin. But may they give you the glory. May they forever put their trust in you, knowing that you are with them in this crisis, that you are going with them through the fire. And when they come out, that they will be purer than gold. Father, we pray for all your children throughout this world that are suffering great atrocities. We pray for your presence with them. And now, Father, as we pray that for this morning service, we pray that you would be with Brother Edmund as he would expound your word. We know that out of a few fishes and loaves of bread, you are able to feed 5,000 and 6,000. We pray that out of these three verses, you'd be able to feed 100 or more. We thank you for all things as we commend this service into your care and keeping. And we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. A few Sundays ago we looked together in a very uh, familiar passage, one that describes the struggle we're all familiar with, the struggle against the flesh and how on our own power it's a losing battle. And the solution was given to us in Romans 8, but uh, time uh, failed us to really understand that in depth. So this morning... The Lord has laid on my heart to, to meditate on these three verses. And you might say, how do these three verses have the solution to our struggle with sin? Here David is telling us and giving us 
a picture, a word picture, about the weaned child. We know that before a child is weaned, it has no patience. It's demanding to be fed as soon as it feels a hunger pang. It communicates that in the only way it knows how. And through uh, it crying, it it's, uh, you know, hits that sensitive maternal ner- nerve and, and is saying, I want to be fed now. And in, the scripture uses that in, in, in another passage in Peter to say that's, that's how we should be about God's word. We should be hungry for God's word, the sincere milk of God's word. We should be that insistent, that regular, that uh, wanting it so badly that uh, we will be impatient and let nothing get in the way of wanting that right now. <laughs> but there's a lot of other things that we have need of. And some things we think we have need of. And sometimes, and you've probably seen children like that, who, who even though they're at an age where they should be weaned, are still in this demand feeding, demand, I want what I want right now. And have no patience with their parents to get it. And then there are some of us who are a little older than babies who still are in that mentality of, I want what I want right now, and there's something wrong with the world if I don't get it right now. And we can see this in Scripture, these these different pictures. For example, thinking of David, we can see (laughs) David as an example of someone who learned to wait for God to provide, to trust in God to provide in his own time. He's anointed as as a little boy, taking care of the sheep. Samuel comes, anoints him as the king, and great things happen. Uh, He's he's, uh, called from the sheep to, to bring food to his older brothers, and there's this giant there, and the rest of the Israeli army are afraid of this nine foot tall uh, monstrous uh, powerful man and he in faith goes out and with a little stone topples that giant and you think okay now is the time he's going to be recognized and yet there's someone else the, the, the scripture puts someone there as, as a counterpoint the scripture gives us heroes of faith and he also gives us people who might be heroes of unbelief not heroes, but anti-heroes, people that show us the anti-patterns of how not to live. What happens when we choose not to believe God? When we choose to make it all about us? And so we have someone like Saul, who, who also is a head taller than everyone else, who also starts off being humble, and yet starts to think it's all about him. And who gets real jealous when they start singing about David killing his ten thousands and he's only getting a thousands and, and starts to feel insecure and threatened because for him he feels good when other people think well of him. And he wants that affirmation. He wants people to think he of him and and that's how he feels secure. It's it's shifted from God 
to man. And when people are thinking about someone else, there's a problem. And he gets real self-piteous. And, and there's this picture of him. I've, I've known, I've mentioned it before, but it just kind of epitomizes to me. There's Saul under the tree there saying, poor me. My David is left. He, he's been thrown, a javelin thrown at him. There's been a plot in his life. He has to run for his life from Saul, even though he's done nothing wrong. And uh, he goes and, you know, he asks for food from the priests and, and gets Goliath's sword there. And, 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 and Saul is like, poor me. Everyone's conspiring against me. Does no one feel sad for me? He's got this major self-pity party and, and, and he's about to order the execution. In his self-pity, he justifies the wiping out of an entire city of God's priests because he's on this major self-pity party because his poor little fragile ego is being threatened by God blessing someone else. Because God's blessing someone else, you know, he wants to, to, to destroy. Now David, on the other hand, David's the one with the promise, and he's on the run. He's in the caves and the rocks. He's hanging out with bandits and anyone else who's willing to, 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 to be with him, and he's got no secure place, and Saul is hunting him like a dog. And he's the one with the promise. But David believes God's promise. David is not impatient. David said, I don't get haughty. I don't exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. I have behaved and quiet in myself. As a child that is weaned of his mother, my soul is even as a weaned child. Let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. He comes back. Uh, with his men and finds his city raised to the ground, smoking ruins, all of his wives and children carried away, his own men in mutiny wanting to stone him. And all where's all these promises? Where's God's blessings? Everything's stripped away. It's a smoking ruins. Everyone has turned on me. Those who are closest to me want to kill me. And yet, he encourages himself in the Lord. He does not depend on circumstances to make himself feel uh, that God loves him, that God is there for him, that God is going to fulfill his promises. Where is the evidence of these promises in these smoking runes and these betraying friends? But he believed he endured as seeing him who is invisible, as we know Moses did before him. He counted those promises worth more than all the control. He had opportunities. He had opportunities to take control, and that's the flesh, brothers and sisters and friends. When we want to take control of the situation, that's where we stay in the Romans 7, when, that's where we go to James 4, when it says, whence are fightings and wars among you? Because you want and you can't have. You have these lusts, you covet. You want things that, that really you shouldn't want. Or you want them and you don't ask and depend on God. Or you want to go about it in the wrong way and you devour one another. When we want to use the arm of flesh, 
to accomplish what we think we need in our time frame, we're being not like a weaned child. We're being like that immature baby who says, I want what I want now and I'm not waiting. I'm going to howl your ears off. I'm going to take control. And whenever we take control, we make a mess of things. That's the flesh operating. And who sows the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. So when we think, maybe I want, you know, I want people's affirmation assaulted, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill the opposition. Well, we're not going to maybe kill someone, but we might slander them. We might use other means. The Bible says he who hates his brother is a murderer. We might find other means to try to, to get into the position of getting affirmation from other people. We might become angry and self-piteous. All these fleshly attitudes will come out when what we want gets thwarted. And when we try our human stratagems to get what we want, whether it's to get ahead uh, financially or maybe to get ahead in relationships or maybe to get ahead you know, in all these things, these desires that we might want. And God might want to give us in his due time. And if we would be as a weaned child and we would wait on God in his due time, he will bless us with what we need at the time we need it. And he does give David the kingdom. But there's the time where David's in the cave and Saul comes and, you know, it just kind of works out. And if, if you're into circumstances and reading God's wills and circumstances, that's, that's David's friends in the cave nudging, okay, God, uh, David, look, God's delivered Saul in your hand. This is obviously God's will. There he is lying on the floor in your cave and you're in the walls. All the guards are outside protecting, you know, from David outside the, the, the door of the cave. And you can just like, you know, didn't God promise that he was going to give you the kingdom? Here it is. Here's the sword. Kill your enemy. You're done. It's obviously God's will for you. Take control. And so we have the temptation to take control and to try to get what we want our way, on our terms, on our schedule, and not be the wean child. And David said no. David said no. Rather than taking the control to fulfill his lusts, Rather than taking control to, to, to prevent his fears, those are the two things that the flesh kind of manifests itself in. These wanting what I desire, wanting to prevent, to take control, to prevent what I don't want to have happen. He rather wrote Psalm 23. We can read in the first line, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When we trust that God is our shepherd and we will not be in need, we find contentment where we are. We know that there is someone who is in control. We don't have to take control. God is in control and we believe that. And so what we have right now is enough. 
What we have right now, having food and raiment, let us be there with content. What we have right now in terms of the people God has given us in our lives is enough because God says so. I am not going to be in need. And so we find a contentment that, that undercuts this whole fleshly things I gotta have. No, what God's given me, I trust Him. He said He's gonna provide, He's in control, and I can be that sheep that doesn't have, a sheep is not in control. A sheep follows the shepherd and is content. He's gonna be led to green pastures at the shepherd's time. Going to be led to steel waters when the shepherd leads him there. Going to lie down and find rest when the shepherd takes me there. And sometimes the shepherd leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes the shepherd finds it's necessary to go through this valley because it's the only way we're going to get to where we need to be. And so there's a valley. It seems dark, dangerous. There's lots of hidden, lurking danger there. And we have not in control. And there's the danger to be afraid, to again take control and say, I got a bolt. This is the wrong way. God, you're making a mistake. This is not the right place for me. And so we run. And we get ourselves into bigger trouble. Or we believe, like David said, I'm not afraid because thou art with me. Because God's presence is enough to make us feel secure, no matter what the circumstances. God's provision is enough for me to be content. Jehovah Jireh. The God who provides is enough. He has provided the lamb, the ram. He's provided the Lord Jesus on the cross for me. Will he not with him freely give us all things? He has provided his presence. Lo, I am with you to the ends of the world. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That is enough. That we don't have to be afraid. Ever. No matter how dark the valley. No matter how dangerous. And when we believe that. When that gap of unbelief between what we know to be true in our heads. And what we really believe to be true in our hearts. What comes out in our actions. In our stratagems that we apply. Do we take the sword Or do we say, no, God will provide without me taking any illegitimate shortcuts. I'm just going to tell Saul that I had the opportunity. I didn't take it. Here I am. I'm totally vulnerable now. You've got your massive army. I'm appealing to your conscience. I'm going to do good to my enemies. I'm going to pray for those that despitefully use me. I am going to love my enemies. And I'm going to overcome. I'm going to slay my enemies, not with the sword, but with God's love. I'll make them my friends. It might work. 
It worked for a short time with Saul. He knew you were right, David. God's going to bless you and give you the kingdom. He understood at the time, but Saul, Saul was controlled by the flesh. Though he knew the truth, he couldn't stick with it. He slipped back into self-pity. He ended up in disgrace, pulling stratagems, always relying on the flesh, going to the witch at the last moment, saying, Samuel, I need you. I'm going to use occultic means to communicate with my mentor because I, I, need, I need to do something to control this. And again, he uses illegitimate means. And as he goes to his strategies, he comes to a, a very sad end. And his poor sons, who are innocent, suffer as a result. But David trusts God. And when you humble yourself, God will lift you up. When you are a weak child, you will be fed. And how many times in the things that we really want, the couple that is childless, that really desperately want this child, and they try all kinds of things, how many times have you heard the story? And then when they finally give up and say, Lord, your will be done. And then they discover that they're pregnant. When they've surrendered it to God. Or the person who, who says, I really want to be married. I don't want to be alone. And when they finally surrender and say, God, you, uh, if you want me to be single, I'm okay with that. I know that happened with my own wife. In fact, it was the very day, the very day that she struggled with that. And she surrendered to the Lord and said, Lord, if you want to be single all my life long, I will serve you with all I have. That she got a proposal. It was that day that God worked and moved forward. It, she needed to become a weaned child in order for God to say, okay, now you're ready. Now I can work. Now you've surrendered. The clay is finally moldable in my hands. The sheep is finally following the shepherd. Or when we're struggling with sins, how many times have you heard the story? I was in Romans 7. I wanted to do what's right, and I ended up doing what's wrong. I, I wanted to stop sinning, and I couldn't. And, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? And until I finally realize I cannot. It's not in me. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. I am a captive. I'm here in Egypt. I need a deliverer. I need God to send me a deliverer. And he has. Thank the Lord through Jesus Christ. We can have victory that God has sent a Redeemer. And when I stop trying to be my own champion, trying to be in control and say, Lord, I give up. I want you to be Lord and Savior. Lord. That word is meaning. It's not something we just throw out there as some part of Christ's long title. It means that I accept you as the absolute ruler of my life. I surrender my will to you. I'm willing to do what you want me to do. I'm willing to go where you want me to go. I'm willing to say what you want me to say, whatever the cost. 
because I'm done with my own strategies. I'm done with trying to control life. Every time I control my life, I end up making it worse. And so I'm going to follow your plan even if it takes me through the valley of the shadow of death because you'll be with me. I'm going to surrender meeting my needs to your perfect timing. I'm going to quiet myself. I'm going to abandon self-pity. I'm going to abandon complaining. I'm going to abandon my manipulation. I'm going to abandon all human strategy and trust in divine providence that Jehovah Jireh will provide. He will provide for my healing, whether it's in this life or the life to come. And I'm okay with that. He will provide for my spiritual needs. He's promised. He never would let me go. I believe that. He will provide for my material needs. He will provide for my relational needs. And that's good enough. I can quiet myself. I can be as a weaned child. And I can experience the contentment of knowing He's a provider. I can experience the peace of knowing He's present. And that I'm safe. I'm secure. That weaned child do you think that wean child is worried about who's going to pay the bills at the end of the month? Do you think that wean child is worried that whether there's going to be enough money in their college fund? Whether, whether, whether the security alarm is going to work that night and, and whether thieves are going to break in? Do you think they're worried about if, if, if there's going to be food? Are they worried about any of these things? No. Doesn't even know these pro- half the problems are there. Doesn't have to know. Because they have an implicit, total trust in the provision of their parents. Same way with us. If we want to experience God's provision, we want to experience God's peace. We need to trust humble ourselves and accept our Lord Jesus as Lord of our lives and be quiet as a mean child. May God bless his few words.
Brother Dan, would you be so kind to lead us in prayer? Let's kneel to pray. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, it is so precious to be here today. We want to give thee thanks, Father, for the opportunity. For we have come from far and near into this house of prayer. We have come, Father, with different kinds of needs, defects, Father. And we have come to expose ourselves to thy word. We have come into thy presence, Father, and we thank thee for speaking to us, for writing into our hearts thy will, Father. And we want to give thee thanks for the brother who has so willingly and ably spoken for thee, Father. And we thank thee that from few verses thou canst fill and address the concerns, the needs of many. Each one of us here, Father, is different. We have different desires, we have different problems in our lives, Father. And we bring them to thee, knowing that thou canst provide every need, every solution. And we are so comforted and want to thank thee, Father, for this comfort, for being able to come to thee, Father, to be made complete in thee, Father. And this is only possible because thou hast nailed thy son on the cross, because the blood that has flown has redeemed us, has purchased access to thy throne, Father, that we can come directly as we are and submit to thee, Father. And we thank thee for speaking to us clearly and reminding us that we need to be like weaned children, Father, that we need to look to thee for everything and we recognize that we are dependent on thee, Father, for truly everything, not just our earthly needs, Father, but we are in need of mercy and grace and forgiveness. And we thank thee, Father, that we can come to thee, that thy storehouse is never empty, that thy doors and thy hours of business, Father, are 24 hours a day. You are never closed and that we have this access which is very precious to us. We ask you, Father, to continue with us today and not only today but also during the weeks to come, Father. Remind us often when we try to take control. Remind us, Father, that we are on our own track. And we thank thee, Father, for thy patience with us, for, the, for thy forgiveness, for directing us, for correcting us. We are eternally grateful for the love and kindness 
And we ask thee, Father, to continue with thy blessings. Particularly, Father, to the servants who provide for thy flock. We pray for them. We ask thee to provide strength and wisdom, Father, to speak the right words at the right time. Father, we ask thee to bless our being together, the parting, and we commend ourselves into thy loving care. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Number 234, verses 1, 5, and 7. Psalmist David, we know that first of all, he's not speaking.
from his own understanding. Secondly, he's being used by God through the experiences that he went through, and he went through a lot. He went through a lot. The pressures that were on him as a leader of the nation of Israel and as a follower of the chief shepherd, God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Edmund mentioned about David and Goliath, the great giant that he had to face. And I heard it once like this, that when someone is faced with a giant such as David, such as Goliath, you could have two alternatives here, where one says, he's too big, I'm not going to fight, I'm going to give up. And he's defeated immediately. Well, you have the other person that says, I'm going to fight. And he loses a battle. But he gets up and says again, I'm going to fight. And he loses a second battle. And he gets up and he's going to fight. And he loses again. And you think, well, they both lost. What's the, what's the point in fighting? What's the point in resisting evil? And, and, and beloved, um, we've seen from our polls that we've taken at, at camp on um, sins of, of, of addiction, pornography, that a great percentage of believers can get caught up in this. And they may say, well, what's the point? They may as well just give in. The difference is, and this is what I've heard, it's very wise. The difference is the one that continues to resist the temptation, that continues to fight, is getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger, and one day he will overcome. Because unless you resist, you won't build up those spiritual muscles. You won't build up that spiritual uh, endurance and stamina. And God's grace will not work at you because you've decided to capitulate to the enemy instead of saying, God, I'm going to try. I'm going to depend upon your grace. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to stop struggling with my own self-control, as we heard, and I'm going to let you build me up. And in the end, you overcome. I thought it was a beautiful picture. Those that continue to fight think that there's no hope because I'm, I'm losing the battle. But one day, God will give you the victory. And sometimes I think when Christ said that if you have the faith of a mustard seed, that you would say to this mountain, be ye removed from hence and cast into the sea, Sometimes we think that that mountain is immediately removed. Or is that mountain sometimes moved in smaller sections? And God wants us to resist the devil. God wants us to place our trust in Him. 
And when we do that, we are weaned. We stop kicking and screaming and pouting. And, and we yield ourselves to God. And God gives us the victory. May the Lord bless His word that we've heard this day. To Him be the glory evermore. Amen. This concludes us.